You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. What's going on, everybody? It's that time again. It's a Sooners Illustrated podcast, episode 28 on this Thursday, October 19th, 2023. Josh Calloway, Colin Kennedy, James E. Jackson, Tom Green will be along a little later. I warned you guys on Monday. If you tune in the Monday show, I warned you guys. I have nowhere to put my dogs. During the show, my wife's out of town. They were great on Monday. We got an early bark in on the show today. Hopefully that's the last one. ZK, how you doing, man? We talked about it on Monday, but it feels like it's been forever since Oklahoma played a game. That Texas game feels like so long ago. Excited to see them back in action this weekend at home. UCF Knights in town. Should be a fun one. Homecoming weekend. Should be great weather. A lot to be excited about right now for you fan. It, it, it feels like we're starting a whole new season. Like it's been that long, it feels like, since they've played a game. But, yeah, I, I'm excited about it. Get another home game back in Norman to basically hit the second half of the year and get everyone re-energized for the final stretch. Crazy that we're here already, obviously, but there's a lot going on right now. Even during the bye week, college football provided a ton in regards to Oklahoma to discuss. So, yeah, man, I mean, recruiting's still rolling. We are at the midpoint of the season, basically, getting ready to go into the second half of the stretch. I'm looking forward to it, man. One of the best times of the year. Oh, yeah. No, we, you know, we talked about it a little on the Monday show, but the bye week coming right in the middle, it really feels like it's two halves. You know, and Oklahoma yeah. was kind of this underdog chip on their shoulder trying to prove to everybody in the first half. Well, they did that with the Texas game. Now the second half of the season, they're the hunted they're trying to, you know, stay at the top, make the playoff, things like that. So it's going to be a fun second half of the season. Hopefully everybody joins along for the ride for us uh, through the back half. Of course, on the show today, we'll be breaking down the UCF game, previewing what we think, matchups to watch, and we'll also give our score predictions as well, the two of us, along with Tom and James, just a little bit. But first, as we usually do on Thursday shows, we'll hit a little recruiting talk out of the gate. we got our lead recruiting analyst here with Colin, so – We'll hit some of the latest things going into a uh, another home weekend for Oklahoma. A lot of visitors coming in, things like that. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, let's touch on the rankings update that came at the end of last week. The 2024 class got you know a readjustment on 24/7 Sports. Benefited a lot of OU guys. Saw themselves take a nice, nice little jump. Basically, Colin, I'll, I'll just pose it to you this way for OU fans tuning in, listening. What show you fans know about the rankings update last week? Who were some guys that saw good jumps for the Sooners that are committed? And just generally speaking, what did it do for OU in a positive way in terms of just kind of building up that 24 class? Yeah, I think the way I wanted to start this discussion, uh, Josh, is, is number one, I think anyone who is either new to the recruiting space or might even be more than familiar with it but isn't fully aware of how all this works just a little quick refresher course. So I had someone on our board ask me, like, what is the difference between the composite and 24-7 sports rankings? And so what you need to know, first and foremost, is that this was a 24-7 sports specific 
rankings update. We control what we can control, and that is how we perceive these players. And so with that, the 24-7 sports composite, you may have saw that get adjusted as well. The composite is a combination of all the four major recruiting sites. So then when that average is taken, it can obviously fluctuate based on how different sites see these certain players. And so for 24-7 sports, our rankings were adjusted last week. That's why you saw so much fluctuation at the top of these player profiles whenever you pull them up at 247sports.com. And I think within the 2024 cycle, there were a few OU guys who earned some more than well-deserved recognition. And another thing to know, 24-7 sports isn't just throwing out ratings willy-nilly throughout the year. We try to stick to a particular schedule. And right around this time of the year, it's almost like a quarterly basis. Right around this time of year is when our national scouting team makes the final call on like a mid-season ranking type of situation. So through a lot of these guys' senior seasons, we now have further tape to break down and apply that to the rankings. I think the first guy I want to start with is Danny Okoye. So Okoye, the in-state edge rusher, he was a three-star, and he's a darn good three-star. The big thing, our scouting team, whenever we were going to get to the mid-season rankings update, I know our, our, our top guys in, in the scouting rankings committee Wanted to see what Okoye looked like from a further development standpoint. He's been putting on a ton of weight. Athletic numbers are out there. But how does that apply to the field? Further film, obviously he's playing homeschool competition. So there's still a lot more you have to, to go through in order to provide some sort of accurate rating. Right. He gets a fourth star, well-deserved. I think Okoye, from what I've heard, still has a, more than a chance to go up in the rankings as well. I wouldn't be surprised if – he finds his way into the top two, four, seven by the season's end rankings update. But Okoye getting his fourth star, and then another guy who I'll, I'll mention here in a second, that means that now at 247sports.com, every single Oklahoma defensive line commit is a four-star or higher. And that's, that's yeah. not only a huge development, but a huge testament to the work that's been put in by Brent Venables, by Todd Bates, by Miguel Chavis and the staff. I don't remember the last time I ever said that when we're yeah, talking right. about the recruiting class, but Okoye getting that four star, not only big for him, but big for this class, this, this commit group as well. Before I get to another one, though, I do want to mention one of the biggest jumpers across the entire cycle, and he is an Oklahoma commit. He is Eugene Brooks, the offensive lineman. Mm, yeah. he, was like a, he was like a, if I remember correctly, he was an 88 maybe an 87, which is a mid to high three-star rating in our system. And he goes from mid to high three-star. Now Eugene Brooks is inside the top 175, which is huge. I, I, I was talking about this with someone the other day on the recruiting trail. I don't think people understand just how hard it is to be in like the top 150 to top 175 in the country. I mean, if you're a top 200 player in America – you're really damn good at what you do. And for Eugene Brooks, I think him jumping into the top 175, Josh, is, a, is another testament to what he's done. I mean, he's lost more than 60 pounds of weight. He was probably seen more as an interior offensive lineman, but he's he's got heavy hands. He's kind of that road grader style. And now that he's rebuilt his body, that push into the top 175, earning four-star status, 
one of the biggest jumps across the cycle is because mm-hmm. I think now you're looking at Eugene Brooks coming in to Oklahoma with legit three spot positional versatility. I mean, I think he can play both guard spots. And now I think he could have a legit shot if needed to play right tackle at the collegiate level, which is huge for someone like Eugene Brooks, who, again, just a couple months ago, before he reshaped his body and worked on his game even further, likely just an interior offensive line take. So really good to see Oklahoma get out in front of that one and get someone who's getting better and better. And then I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. I mentioned the, the defensive line stuff. Jane Jackson, we've talked about this on the show. Yeah. Tons, tons. I mean, we we all kind of knew that he was going to jump. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was a three-star at the time that they got him. It was kind of a foregone conclusion. He was going to become a four-star at some point. The biggest thing with Jaden, too, him being at IMG Academy, getting a lot of exposure, a lot of game tape. On top of that, our director of scouting at 24-7 Sports, Andrew Ivins, lives in Florida, lives, I think, like 40 minutes from IMG Academy. He knows all this. So our director of scouting was basically dialed into Jaden Jackson's development in the senior season. And I know one of the biggest goals for our scouting team was – get this guy a very new, very accurate rating at the midseason point of the year. And that's exactly what's been accomplished. We saw it coming. It it was kind of known it was going to happen, but he goes from three-star to four-star. He goes from outside the top 247 to, I believe, number 202 overall in our rankings. And again, this is another guy. These rankings aren't finalized. I want to reiterate that. But for our network, we want that midseason point, data point, Sure. And then we want to figure out where they truly are at the end of the year. And so for Jaden Jackson, for it to have been a foregone conclusion, he was going to rise and then get that done. I, I, well, I mean, I did it earlier. My, why not double down? This feels like a guy who's going to continue to jump. And more data will be collected over the course of the remainder of the year. I think Jaden Jackson's playing some really good football. He's proven – time and again, why he is seen by so many as a rankings riser. And here we are, he's delivered already. Him going from three to four outside to inside the top 247, I don't see it slowing down. He deserves it. He's yeah. working his butt off to get to this point. And again, I think this is someone who Oklahoma went and got for good reason. And it's another strong indicator that this staff is on the right track. Yeah, we're Jaden, you know, I just, you've said it before, but always go back to that IMG game that was nationally televised the night that David Stone committed. That was his introduction to a lot of OU fans. I think OU fans that night left with two big takeaways. Holy crap, we got David Stone. He's yeah. awesome. But then also, man, Jaden Jackson is disruptive. And he felt at the time like, yeah, probably not going to be a three-star for long. And uh, like you said, it was just like a foregone conclusion for so long that he'll rise. He'll rise, give it time. And he did. So up to a four-star uh, there. So Oklahoma, like you said, the, the big thing, every defensive line guy in the class is a four-star or better. That's that's how you get it done. That's how you get things done in the SEC especially, too. That's what Oklahoma fans hope for with Todd Bates and obviously Miguel Chavis and this, you know, defensive staff with Brent Venables. That, that's what you hope for, and that's what they got yeah. in this 24 class. What about elsewhere in the class? Where are some other guys that are chasing here? Kind of an update on – just this 24 group that's kind of starting to round into form. Signing day is kind of you know, creeping up around the corner a little bit. It was kind of an overall update on this 24 class that Oklahoma is still chasing some guys on. 
Yeah, so there's a lot to dive into here again. So I apologize at home if it feels like I'm rambling, but so many data points, right, with all these discussions. So yeah. I'll leave it off with this to sort of tie in the rankings discussion, Josh. I do feel like it's somewhat important to mention off the top a guy who became a brand-new five-star in the cycle, Jordan Seaton, the offensive tackle at IMG Academy, where Jaden Jackson and David Stone are. He earns his fifth star. I believe he's now number 31. And, and again, another reminder on the rankings, there are 32 five-stars in every class because it reflects 32 first-round NFL draft picks. We're not ranking these guys based on their collegiate production or success. These rankings are a reflection of how we feel they're going to be drafted once upon a time into the NFL when they realize their full potential and head to the professional level. So Seton earns his fifth star. I believe it's deservedly so. I mean, we talked about it, I think, several weeks ago. But when I was out there to see IMG Academy at Lipscomb Academy in Nashville, I think there was another big takeaway. Jaden Jackson's going to go up. David Stone's still really good. And by the way, David remained five-star. He's number 17 in the cycle. But Jordan Seaton had one of the best games I've ever seen from an offensive lineman person. And, like, I've seen some pretty darn good offensive linemen covering recruiting at the high school level. I think we all have in the recruiting space, right? You see these six-foot-seven kids at 15 years old, and you're like, how the hell are they doing this? But Seaton earning his fifth star is more than notable. Why do I bring that up? He obviously did not make his OU official visit. It was scheduled for the Iowa State game. He instead went to Tennessee on an unofficial. I think from there, a lot of Oklahoma fans were like, all right, go ahead and mail it in. And I get that. All I would say is that guy earning his fifth star is big because OU still pursuing him for good reason. And that was sort of tangible evidence as to why Oklahoma is trying to reschedule a visit with him. And I know in talking to sources, he really wants to get to Norman still. So worth noting there. From there, let's still talk some offensive line, right? Everyone wants to talk about Grant Bricks and Eddie Pierre-Louis. I'll, I'll just say this really quick. Oklahoma's trending in a very positive direction with both. From people I talk to, there is an expectation that both of those guys could make a decision within the next week to two weeks. I still think that a lot of schools are keeping a watchful eye on both. And these have both kind of been wild cards, right? I mean, it feels like time and again, behind the scenes, there has been an expectation level more than once for both of these guys that they were about to shut things down and just didn't happen. Sure. So sure. I think from here forward, we record on this Thursday, if you see Grant Bricks or Eddie Pierre-Louis make the call over the next – Three to seven days, don't be caught off guard. And if that is the case, I have reason to believe it would go in Oklahoma's favor. Now, I feel like it's also worth mentioning because of that wild card effect, they still haven't been played yet, and I could see them holding their cards close to the chest still. I think Nebraska still really wants Grant Bricks, and they're going to push, especially with this latest development. From what I've heard, the Cornhuskers are – now trying to counteract that momentum. And look, time and again, like Oklahoma, as I've noted on the board, I've been told they take a lead and then Nebraska punches up. I, I don't buy K-State necessarily up there with Nebraska or Oklahoma anymore. Wildcats are kind of on the outside looking in. 
But Nebraska has kind of that quote-unquote home field advantage. They're like an hour or something away from his small-town home in Iowa. They have done a really good job of recruiting him. So I, I do think that if Grant and Briggs were to make a decision over the next three to seven days, it would go in OU's direction. But Nebraska is going to try and make that not the case. So stay tuned there. Eddie Pierre-Louis, I, I, I am a lot more confident there on the Oklahoma side of the equation. I have a crystal ball in. So – if he is another one who makes the call soon, expect that to go in Oklahoma's direction. And then finally, on the 24-7 Sports Network and its YouTube channel, you heard it here first on the show, Michael Boganowski getting ready to make yep. his decision live. He will be on the College Football Recruiting Show at around 4 p.m. Central. So I think by the time the show comes out, that should be like an hour or something away from when he's going live. I'm not going to dive into that just yet. We'll probably talk about that next week because, again, he's got to reveal sure. his decision live on our airwaves. But head to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel around 4 p.m. Central. Tune in. Our, our national team does a great job of putting that show together. Boganowski will go live, and I have reason to believe – let me put it this way. You might see a familiar face following that announcement. So – We'll see what happens, but tune in on the YouTube channel. It'll be a lot of fun. And Michael Boganowski still looks like Oklahoma's training in a positive direction. Yeah, no, Boganowski, the next one up. Uh, obviously, no sense in getting too deep into the weeds. This show, by the time it comes out, he'll either be just about to announce or already have announced for the lion's share of you guys tuning in and listening. So if you want more info on Boganowski, mosey on over. Oklahoma247sports.com, Sooners Illustrated. We'll have more details there. And, uh, yeah, like Colin said, we'll probably talk about it a little more in depth uh, on the shows next week as uh, they hopefully, it looks like, probably, maybe, we'll see, bring him into the fold in that 24 class. Look into this weekend a little bit. Last thing on the recruiting side before we get into the actual game. Uh, so they're back at home. First home yep. game uh, since the – first time they've played, period. But, obviously, first home game since the Texas game, that big moment we talked about it coming out, what they could do for you in recruiting to have a moment like that, a game like that. Now trying to capitalize on that momentum going into this weekend. It is an 11 a.m. game, which is always a little bit tougher to get guys into town for. Nothing that OU is not used to at this point in the Big 12. A lot of 11 a.m. games this year. More to come as we go along. What are some names that Oklahoma fans should be aware of going into this weekend that will be making their way uh, to the stadium as Oklahoma homecoming weekend gets back to it and resumes the back half of their season? Yeah, so this is going to be a pretty busy weekend for Oklahoma on the recruiting side. I'll, I'll lead off with this. I know a lot of people are cur curious as to what everything has looked like behind the scenes following Oklahoma's big win in the Red River rivalry. And I can tell you this with 100% certainty, that win has catapulted Oklahoma's recruiting momentum. I, I don't know of another way around it. Everyone who I've talked to on the recruiting trail from coaches – and trainers to recruits themselves. Obviously, I was out at three games over the weekend during the bye. They all talked about how awesome it was to watch Oklahoma win that game. And, and so now here they are. I think Oklahoma has a legitimate shot to capitalize on that momentum and surge in the second half of the season, not only towards a Big 12 championship appearance, potentially a college ball playoff. But this year legitimately feels like a time where they can – take even further steps towards a, a positive recruiting group heading into the SEC. 
So with this UCF game, I I, I don't I'm not going to dive into everyone who's going to be there because that would take me like an hour and a half. But I think the, <laughs> I think the two big storylines I'm keeping an eye on, and we talked about Michael Boganowski. So Reggie Powers and Cameron Campbell, two former Michigan State defensive back commits. One's a safety, the other is a corner. They are still scheduled to be on campus in Norman this weekend. Why is that notable? Well, obviously, OU is at, what, 24 commits, 25 commits. If Boganowski joins the group, then you're really starting to get into that, okay, we've kind of hit that 25 benchmark. There is no cap like there used to be. But because you've hit 25, you're now getting into scholarship reworking territory. And with Powers and Campbell coming on campus, I've been told that these are both individuals that Oklahoma still really wants. They feel like these are both safety corner types who can help them in the SEC. There's a level of physicality and overall talent that I think OU staff appreciates there with both. So I have been told whichever way Boganowski's decision goes, Oklahoma is going to be willing to work some things through in order to try to land these guys. But Again, both of these, these individuals and Powers and Campbell will be seeing an Oklahoma game for, I believe, the first time. This is going to be their opportunity to essentially have that final pitch before a potential decision. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty stunned if they are able to make it out to Oklahoma again prior to a decision date. So something to follow there because in 2024, yes, you're getting pretty heavy in terms of commit numbers, but there are still a lot of guys, especially after that Red River win and heading into the second half of the season, who are out there for the taking and more than interested. So Powers and Campbell, two individuals who I'm keeping a close eye on as they arrive in Norman for the UCF game. Then in 2025, so there's a ton of 2025 cats, right, who are, yeah. who are probably going to be there. The, the one thing I think Oklahoma fans – should be interested in that I feel is kind of storylining, for lack of a better term. I talked to Jonah Williams, the five-star safety linebacker hybrid over the weekend, went down to Houston to go see him, chopped it up with him for a little while. You can go read that full interview at Sooners Illustrated. Get a subscription for a dollar. I think it's pretty well worth it. Our team is doing a great job going to the second half of the year. But I would say it's it's going to be worth it to keep track of what happens because he told me OU is still very much in good position with him. He's been very impressed with the way Oklahoma's looked defensively. He yeah. wants to play in that back end. He, he feels like Brent's next star, bigger safety linebacker hybrid type if they're able to get him. And the big if here is if he shows up, for that UCF game, Josh, I think Oklahoma's cooking. I mean, I think Brandon Hall oh, – do we talk about how good this guy is enough? I don't know. But he is killing it in this recruitment. Jonah Williams loved what he saw in that OU Texas game. He liked that the safeties were not only playing at a high level, but guys like Peyton Bowen were playing early on. Mm-hmm. But if he shows up, I think Oklahoma continues to jump. If he doesn't show up, then he would likely be at Ohio State this weekend, which if you know what's going on in college football, Ohio State's hosting Penn State 
in arguably the biggest game of the weekend coming up. Ohio State's been in contact with Jonah more and more. He told me it really picked up like they've been really trying to get him on campus since that Notre Dame game when they got the win. So the Buckeyes are trying to surge here with Jonah. And again, as we record on this Thursday, I haven't dove back into what's going on there. I'll probably touch base with them. But essentially going into the weekend, Oklahoma, Ohio State, both with big weekends in their own ways, trying to see if Jonah Williams shows up on their respective campuses. So those are some some storylines to follow recruiting-wise as we get into essentially the start of the second half of the season. Yeah, sounds like it'll be another uh, packed sidelines during warm-ups. Um, trying to navigate your way around the sidelines at Gaylor Family Oakland Memorial Stadium during especially the beginning of the game during warm-ups. Is about borderline impossible. It's a tight sidelines. You're trying to get some warm up shots or whatever. It really can't be done. And it sounds like it's going to be like that uh, again this weekend. Like we said, uh, going to be great weather and things like that. It is homecoming, which I know is kind of like a OU doesn't really care about homecoming that much, but it does add a little extra juice to it, a little extra kind of fan uh, festivities, things like that. So it should be a fun weekend in Norman. Looking forward to it. Excited to see this team play again. And on that note, before you go, Colin, do want to get your thoughts on the game as always. Um, Sooners are pretty healthy favorites here, 18-point favorite. UCF hasn't won a Big 12 game yet. It's been kind of hard to know what to make of them because John Reese Plumley has been out. He's back now, according to Cus Malzahn. He's going to play this weekend, so that does give them an extra little wrinkle. you got to imagine Malzahn's going to bust out all the – pull out all the stops as he normally does in these kind of spots, maybe get some trickeration, things like that. What are some things you're watching for this weekend? What's your read on this game? And how do you feel like it goes down uh, when the Knights and the Sooners match up on Saturday? Yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see some eye discipline here, right? I, I think Oklahoma's defense, as we know, is a aggressively based system. There's a lot of stunts, twists, varying linebacker pressures, simulated pressures. Brent Venables likes to mix it up. So does Gus Malzahn. If you know anything, I mean, as much as we joke that it's the putt-putt offense that Gus runs, he's going to try and trick you, and he's he wants to make you double-check double, double check yourself a little bit. So kind of that chess match is is really what I'm looking forward to. I I really like Gus's system. It's, it's not, you know, always the most explosive or whatever, but it challenges you. And when they start driving, they not only have the ability to make you think but they have the ability to make you fatigued, which then obviously triggers further mistakes from a mentality perspective. I want to see how the defense handles that. And then from there, I, I want to see what Oklahoma changes offensively, right? This is, this is the opportunity for you to, out of the bye week, what have you worked on? What's going to be different? I, I, Josh, one thing I want to mention, I thought it was, I don't want to say profound because that sounds a little ridiculous, but I thought it was very interesting. I think Brent Venables was talking with Bob Stoops uh, at selloutcrowd.com and their their podcast. And Brent mentioned that in his interview with Bob, like one thing we challenged ourselves with as a staff is self-scouting. What are our tendencies? What are we putting on tape that opponents are going to look at and try to counter? So Essentially, what Brent's telling you in that interview, and I, I encourage you all to go look at it, selloutcrowd.com, their YouTube channel, I think. He's basically saying, we spent the whole bye week trying to look different. 
So how different do you look? Does that mean different personnel groupings, different calls, different like what what are we yeah. what are what are we going to see from OU offensively, especially? Because I don't know that there's a ton you can change defensively, right? Maybe I'll be wrong, but I think offensively, especially from the stuff at running back to the offensive line, the wide receiver shuffling now with with Andrew Anthony. What do you look like? How different is that? And now, how does that make opponents react in the second half of the season? I think UCF is first up in trying to counter Brent Venables and Jeff Levy, who apparently spent the last week trying to build out different looks for the rest of the way. But yeah, for me, I I, I don't see Oklahoma struggling a ton. You would assume with rest and further prep. Mm-hmm. They're able to to give UCF a completely different look. I, I mean, as much as we talk about, obviously, Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy basically being UCF products, I don't anticipate a ton of advantages there because of all the turnover. But, yeah, I, I think Oklahoma wins pretty handily. I would expect a cover if I had to give you an official final score or whatever. Give me, like, 41 to 17. So maybe 41-21, like, I still think they could win by three touchdowns or more. Yeah. I, I, can easily, I can easily see a game where they run away with it. But long story short, lots of advantages for Oklahoma, especially asking an East Coast team to travel into town and play that morning kick, so on and so forth. So, yeah, I, I think Oklahoma's a chance to continue to put their best foot forward in this matchup. Right. 41-17 or 41-21? Let's go 41-17. I'm feeling because they'll want to do is like I reached out to some people real quick, Josh. Like, yes, JRP yeah. is back. I don't think he's 100 percent either. And sure. I, I would say that directly impacts the game. So give me 41-17. Sure. Absolutely. We're all trying to get back on track after the Texas debacle. Um, so yeah, 41-17. You got Oklahoma winning and covering. Tom, James, and myself will give our picks here at the very end of the show. CK, appreciate you as always, man. Uh, we'll be looking to catch up with you next week. And again, everybody, flip over to Oklahoma247sports.com. Soon as illustrated for more on Michael Boganowski. He makes his uh, announcement official, his commitment this afternoon. Colin, appreciate you, sir. We'll talk to you next week. Everyone be safe, subscribe, and I will see you next week. The Sooners Illustrated podcast will be back after this short break. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, we now welcome in Tom Green, James D. Jackson, gentlemen. Excited to get back down to Norman and see how you play a football game again. What a concept. 
Yeah. <laughs> feels, like it's been forever. It feels like it's been yeah. forever since we covered the game. I mean, I know it's just been, you know, a week and a half, but it's uh, it's been a while. Yeah. Just ready to see some football, man. When you have such a, a team that's this good right now, you kind of want to see it, you know, see it happen again. And that's the situation right now is, you know, you keep it up back half yeah. of the season. Yeah, and, and for me personally, it's it's felt like even longer because I didn't really watch much football during the bye week. <laughs> I call it like the, I call it like the last few minutes of the Oregon Washington game, but that's about it. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. It, you know, it, that's kind of been the theme of this whole week leading up to this game. It's just kind of like it. Just the Texas game just feels so long ago, and I guess there was so much talking about it afterward, and rightfully so. Such a huge win. You know, all the national shows are talking about it, so it's kind of taken it all in. It's kind of like that's the last time they played. It feels like so long ago. So excited to see them play this weekend. Oklahoma UCF Saturday morning, eleven a.m. It's an ABC uh, joint, uh, so uh, get your fairs in order on that front. Oklahoma's a pretty solid favorite, 18 at last check. This is actually the first time they've ever played Sooners in UCF. Kind of a fun little wrinkle on the way out for Oklahoma mm-hmm. in their last year in the Big 12. Guys, we talked about the game a little bit on Monday. Obviously, UCF has been without their quarterback, John Reese Plumley. He's back this weekend. So they're kind of a hard team to know how to get a total read on. They haven't won a conference game yet. They obviously blew that huge lead against Baylor. They've done some nice things. They've got kind of a weird defense statistically. Just kind of overall your feeling going into this game. Because it feels like Oklahoma is rightfully a heavy favorite. But also, like, there's a path you see of making this a game. How do you guys kind of feel just about the how heavy a favorite Oklahoma is this weekend, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it? Because it feels like it's kind of hard to know what to make of it in terms of UCF's actual chances to pull this off in Norman this weekend. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, I, I think OU is a, a very big favorite in this one. I, I don't see it being a close game here in, in, in a lot of situations. Um, I know you talked about UCF and their struggles in the conference games. I know we asked Coach Brent Venables about that, you know, when he uh, kind of moved over from the Big 12 to the, the ACC when he went to Clemson. And he was just like talking about, hey, you kind of have to, you know, get a gauge for how things work with the opponents you're playing. Now you got to understand the new guys. And that's pretty much where he sees UCF right now. And I don't think – they haven't won a game in the Big 12 yet. I don't think they're going to take down the the top dog of the Big 12 for the last couple of years. I don't think that's going to happen either. So that's why I'm pretty comfortable where OU is at. And OU has been playing incredible football over the over the last six games. I mean, just outstanding. And that's why they're as high as they are now in the national ratings. I mean, just – I think it'll be a big – it'll be a big game for OU. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think Oklahoma's going to take this one pretty – handily um <clears throat> you know the UCF I just I just don't think they have the firepower to really keep up with this Oklahoma offense right now um getting John Reese Plumley back back is obviously huge you know he's missed essentially the last four games for them mm-hmm. you know missed three he started the Kansas game but was clearly still limited and had to be pulled but you know he's back 100% so that should give them a little bit of a confidence boost coming in but you know this team yeah. is just I don't know. It, it's weird. Like I, they've not won a Big Twelve game yet. We saw what they did in that Baylor game. Um, I don't know. I just don't think they have, you know, enough to take down what is the top team in the conference right now. Like James was saying, um, and we'll get into a little bit more of their offense and defense. But it's just this matchup. I think it just favors Oklahoma too too heavily for there to really be any questions. And I think Oklahoma, you know, obviously coming off the big Texas win, they've gotten a lot more attention. Um, you know, it, it seems like, you know, just by the nature of them having a bye week last week, 
people have been talking about that Texas game for the better part of two weeks now. But internally, it seems like Oklahoma, like, yeah, the guys are answering questions, still lingering about that game and the after effects of it. But internally, you know, I think it was uh, might have been Kendall Dolby on Monday when we spoke to him. He's like, or no, it was Nick Anderson. It's like, yeah, Sunday, we, we shut that down. Like, mm-hmm. we, we had our 24 hours to celebrate. And then it's like, okay, what are we doing to fix the mistakes we made in that game? What are they doing to, you know, just kind of do some self-assessment of over the first six weeks overall and move on to the second half of the season, focusing on the task at hand and not kind of letting that Texas game kind of carry over and be like, oh, yeah, I can just coast on on their laurels right now. You know, they know yeah. that they, yes, the Texas win was big, but they haven't necessarily proven anything. They still have six games left on the schedule to accomplish their goals. Yeah, and that's a. I mean, Danny Sussman was saying the same thing as Nick Anderson was saying. It's pretty much we're, we're getting ready for UCF now. You know, they, they kind of just have to answer questions that we ask. So there's still some here, you know, talk Texas talk and things like that. But they're they're ready for UCF. We we talked about Plumlee coming back, and and I know that they haven't really had them for their conference game. So that's the kind of the wrinkle that you see. But it seemed like Coach Venables and, and Danny Sussman and all the guys are kind of already familiar with what you know his skill sets are. So they. They know what he's going to bring. So it's not like going to be a shock to have him back in the lineup, I think. And, and I think that'll, that'll prove well for OU. Yeah, John Reese Plumley. It, it's interesting. He's obviously a very talented athlete, um, mm. very dynamic runner. You know, he's got like 2,200 2, rushing yards for his career between Ole Miss and UCF, uh, 24 rushing touchdowns. You know, he's a two-sport guy. He played baseball at both Ole Miss and UCF. So he, he can do different things, but he's a – probably a better runner than he is a passer, um, you know, especially against power five competition, I think for his career. Um, Cause obviously, you know, he spent time at UCF and, you know, this is their first year in the big 12 and he's missed most of their games there, but from his time at Ole Miss and the limited time that he's, you know, played power five teams and out of conference action before and, and bowl games, you know, he's only completing like 50, 55% of his passes has more, uh, interceptions and touchdowns against power five teams is, you know, averaging like four and a half, five yards per pass attempt. So he's not put up very good passing numbers against better mm-hmm. competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, now he's coming off, you know, a pretty prolonged layoff, you know, how is he going to respond to that? And I just think that, you know, plays into, you know, Oklahoma, what Oklahoma's advantage is right now. And it's a leg injury, too. I mean, it's coming off of that and, it's, you know, kind of trying to come out and run on that against this Oklahoma defense is really good at stopping the run. I mean, it's a difficult task for sure. Yeah. Now, Plumlee's health and just kind of overall how he handles the crowd and just kind of all that is kind of one of those X factors in the game that's hard to to know exactly how it will go. You know, I mentioned it on Monday a little bit. I think the bye week helps a lot with not having any sort of a Texas hangover. But this stat, shout out. Mike Halk and the OU Sports Information stats kind of been stats kind of making the rounds this week. Not that it's that surprising because Oklahoma doesn't lose that many games per year when you really think about it, but mm-hmm. pretty amazing that since Bob Soups took over in 99, I want to make sure I get it right, 23 and one in the game after the Texas game. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, not too worried about a hangover here in this spot with the bye week and the team is all saying the right things, but. Almost any year, Oklahoma has actually done a phenomenal job in not letting that game linger, whether it goes positively or poorly or negatively. You know, they've come back the next game, and uh, obviously the vast majority of the time they take care of business. So 
not a lot of reasons, I think, that are valid to be concerned with any sort of a hangover. Uh, just by week, this team seems to have said they're all the right things. That stat, I mean, it's just that seems like a narrative that just isn't going to really apply here. And uh, mm-hmm. the Sooners are going to be ready to go when this game rolls around on Saturday. Yeah, and I wrote a full article based on that stat right. just because I right. heard about the post Texas letdown situation. I know it's not it's not necessarily always about oh you losing. It's just coming out sluggish, not being you know assertive enough and look the best they can. And I saw I know some people are still worried about that, but you you look at the record. I mean, winning is what matters the most. I mean, twenty three and one, you should feel comfortable with with that statistic. And even Brent Venables, yeah. you know, after last year's Texas game, they they won the game afterwards as well. So uh, you, you look you look forward to what OU's done, and Brent Venables should be able to carry that on. Yeah. yeah, and I think this defense is going to just set the tone. Um, you know, those guys seem pretty juiced after that Texas game. Um, and really, it, it's, you know, we talked about John Reese Plumley, but this UCF offense is kind of interesting. You know, they're, they're third in the nation in rushing. Um, that's kind of a Gus Malzahn staple, which is, is it's, it's interesting because, you know, Gus Malzahn, you hear hurry up, no huddle offense, and you think it's going to be a, you know, high-powered passing attack. But sure. really, the the strength of all of his teams over the years have been the run game. Like it is a run based scheme. Um, like that year at Auburn, uh, his first year when they went to the national championship game and they really unlocked something with Nick Marshall at quarterback, you know, they had the game against Tennessee where they com- attempted like nine or 11 passes. Like they, they were just like, we're just going to run the ball until you stop us. Mm-hmm. And most teams couldn't, but you know, right mm-hmm. now they're, you know, averaging like 204, 240 yards a game, something like that. Yeah, 245 yards a game. Yeah, something like six that. Six yards yeah. per carry. Um, they got two running backs over 400 yards right now in the season. One of them's at 511 yards with six touchdowns. He's averaging like six yards a carry. The other one's at 440 yards, and he's averaging like eight yards a carry. And then you have John Reese Plumley coming back, and he can obviously move. You know, we'll see what he looks like coming off that leg injury. But it's just, you know, Really interesting because you know Oklahoma's run defense has been very good this year, so it's kind of you know strength against strength in that in that regard. Whereas mm-hmm. you know UCF, you know ninety six nationally in pass attempts per game. For reference, you know Oklahoma's thirty third, so obviously a little bit more pass happy offense there. Sure. So it's just going to be kind of interesting to see how UCF tries to attack this Oklahoma defense that is you know been playing out of its mind for the most part these first you know six games um obviously much improved from where they were last year and yeah just i I just think it's gonna be interesting to see how they attack that and what kind of tricks gus malzahn has up his sleeves because he is very well known for having a deep bag of tricks you know brent venables talked about it this week he's seen them some firsthand from his time uh, at clemson going head to head with auburn a couple times but they have all sorts of tricks you know, they do some double passes. They do the Wildcat. I mean, Gus Malzahn was the offensive coordinator at Arkansas when, you know, Darren McFadden was run, running wild on people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they've got some plays that, you know, we saw SMU run because Rhett Lash comes off that same Gus Malzahn tree. And Oklahoma sniffed that one out pretty good. But there's been some other teams that have tried trick plays against Oklahoma this year too. Um, Texas obviously obviously had a couple on that second drive, a fake punt, and then uh, the halfback pass out of the mm-hmm. Wildcat. Um, but yeah, so it, it's not something that, you know, Oklahoma isn't prepared for. It's not something they haven't seen. They know they have to rep it a little bit more this week, but if you're relying on trick plays to win a game on the road like this, 
it's probably not going to work out for, you know, the, the visiting team. Yeah, and it seems like everybody, like Danny Stessman and, and Coach Venables, they're already getting ready for that rushing attack. I mean, they, they've talked about that and how good, you know, UCF has been, and they, they know about the trick plays. Danny Stessman said they practice it all the time. They kind of just like surprise them with a trick play, and they have to react during they're in practice. And, I mean, that's that's what they do. So they're yeah. pretty used to it. There's a whole file of video that they have of trick plays that they go over uh, and things like that. So they're, they're, they're pretty prepared, I think, for any situation that UCF is going to bring. Yeah, and Gus has been running a lot of these trick plays since his high school coaching days in Arkansas, you know, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not like, you know, they're new. Uh, it's yeah. just about you know, staying <laughs> disciplined. Execution, I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's about staying disciplined, like, you know, keeping your eyes focused, don't not getting fooled by any of the, you know, pre-snap candy. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, reading your keys and staying disciplined. I mean, you know, we, we've seen Oklahoma do that. You know, obviously, Danny Stutzman sniffed out that trick play against SMU. Um, you know, Rondell Bothroyd had a big stop on a jet sweep against Texas last week. But then they've also had a couple busts, like that fake punt that Texas ran, sure. the, you know, the, the wildcat pass. But it, it, it's just about discipline and, you know, cleaning up those things. And I think having that week off to kind of address some of those areas that, hey, maybe you had a, you know, a little lapse in in – you know, thinking here in real time that, you know, they're going to be more well-prepared for it this week, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that UCF offensive line, sneaky good uh, on the midseason watch list for the Joe Moore War, which is getting mm-hmm. out to the best offensive line in the country. There's only like 20 or something offensive lines on there. They're included. Yeah. yeah. And so they got it. They got it. You know, like we, it's been brought up a lot, but number three in the, in the country in rushing yards per game. I mean, that, you don't stumble into that six games in. Uh, you got to mm-hmm. go to run the ball to, to get to that. And that's with Plumlee missing time. And he's a guy who can use his legs to extend plays and, and make things happen. We saw Coleman do well against that, against with Emory Jones. Uh, Quinn Ewers certainly can move around with his legs as well. So they've seen it. Um, and so they should be a little more ready for it. But yeah, that UCF offense versus Oklahoma defense is kind of the fun side of the ball in this one because it is kind of, it boils down to kind of the head coaching matchup with Brent Venables. And Gus Malzahn, obviously, Tom, this is your account. You've talked about it already. You know <laughs> Gus very well. You covered him for a long time at Auburn. Just, I guess, kind of your read, I'm, you know, I'm interested in, in terms of Venables versus Malzahn. Like, how do you kind of handicap that? They've gone against each other before, like you said, Auburn, Clemson battles. I'm just, I'm kind of excited to see that chess match of two guys who coach a long time. They're really good at that side of the ball, their respective sides of the ball. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch that that battle. These are two guys who've had a lot of success kind of going toe-to-toe this weekend. Yeah, and you know, if, if I'm handicapping this, I think Brent Venables definitely has the advantage. Um, certainly, just from a talent standpoint. Sure. Sure. Whereas you know, you're at Clemson and Auburn, you you know, he still had the talent advantage there because you look at those Clemson defenses. That, that's when you know Isaiah Simmons, Dexter Lawrence, all all those guys they were there. Um, but Auburn was still recruiting at a top ten level at that time, so they had a little bit more comparable. But you look at their two meetings in 2016 and 2017. That 2017 game in particular was, still is, I believe, the worst offensive game of Gus Malzahn's career. Well, what at, at Auburn, at least, it was the worst offensive game of his mm-hmm. career. They had like 140 total yards, averaged like less than two yards per play. Jared Stidham got sacked 11 times in that game. Um, they just could not do anything against that Clemson defense. And that was an Auburn team that, if you remember, 
they knocked off number one Georgia, number one Alabama, in basically a three week span at the end of the season to you know win the SEC West and you know came within a SEC championship game win of the playoff. So it was a good Auburn team, but that Clemson team was just steamrolling on defense. Um, sure. So again, I think you know Brent Venables. Obviously, they have some familiarity with each other. I think he's going to have the advantage. You know, he's really kind of wrangled that offense both times they've gone head to head. And then, you know, you think about it, Ted Roof was a defense coordinator at Auburn when Gus Malzahn was the offense coordinator there for Very the national true. championship. He's got familiarity there. Brandon Hall uh, was an analyst at Auburn when Gus Malzahn was head coach. Like, there are guys on this defensive staff who are well-versed in what Gus Malzahn does offensively. So I think they're going to have those guys very well prepared. They're not going to be surprised by anything they see. And I think Oklahoma just, with the way this defense has been playing through the first half of the season and the talent advantage they have, I think they, they're, you know, they should, you know, there's a reason they're favored by almost three touchdowns. Like, mm-hmm. right. The talent gap is, you know, UCF's a team that's making a transition from from G five to Power five. It's going to take a little time. All the new teams in the Big 12 this year have all really struggled to get wins so far. It's hard to make that jump. It's Mm -hmm. hard. And uh, UCF's kind of finding that out right now. So this weekend is homecoming weekend, but it's also reunion weekend for Ted Roof and Gus Malzahn, Brandon Hall, and, of course, Tom Green and Gus Malzahn, the the big headline of the weekend. And Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy. Absolutely. Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy going against UCF, which will be a fun little wrinkle as well. Um, Looking at that side of it, Oklahoma's offense against UCF's defense – like you said, it is, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy feel about UCF. I don't know any, I don't think there'd be any reason to have any disdain. Obviously, Gabriel got hurt that last year, which was coached by Gus Malzahn, and then decided to leave, looking for a better opportunity, got it with UCLA, and then obviously pivoted on UCLA and then going to Oklahoma instead. Um, Jeff Levy was there before, back in the day, uh, coaching, obviously, Dylan Gabriel. That's been well documented. So they get to go against their former team. This UCF defense is weird because they're 83rd in scoring, so below average, but they're top 30 in pass defense. So what does that tell you? They stink at defending the run really bad. 120th in the country in rushing yards allowed per game. You can run the ball on them. Now, obviously, Oklahoma hasn't ran the ball. So kind of all these little – I know the matchup is kind of interesting on paper because seemingly if Oklahoma was going to get the run game going, this would be the time to do it. What sticks out when looking at that matchup for you guys, Oklahoma's offense versus UCF's defense? Um, real quick before we get to that, I just want to backpedal sure. to what you're saying. You know, don't know how Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy feel about yeah, UCF. Yeah, right. um, call this one a tease. I'll have a story tomorrow <laughs> on you know this reunion of sorts for Dylan oh, Gabriel. Spoke to his mom Dory this week, and uh, Dylan Gabriel's great, mom. Yeah, she had, Dylan, yeah, Dylan Gabriel's mom. Uh, she had a great quote about you know what it's going to be like for Dylan because obviously D- Dylan's downplayed it a little bit. Um, you know, he, he doesn't want to make this week about himself. You know, it's about the team going one no, mm-hmm. all that. He's saying all the right things, um, but his mom said, you know, it's like going to the prom and seeing your old girlfriend there. I feel like you're still sweet on each other, but it's a little different. Life has changed you, and you smile. But it's not feeling like home anymore. That's like some Emily Dickinson or I was something. Like, What's going on here? She's a writer, right? <laughs> well, it's funny. I uh, when she told me that, I, I mentioned to her. I don't know if you remember, but when we talked to Dylan, I guess it was in August after one practice. 
you know, he was talking about the difference between this year at Oklahoma and last year is like, mm. you know, last year is like, you just started dating a new girl, still trying to get to know <laughs> each right. other. No, and now you're, yeah. you know, a year into the relationship, you're feeling more comfortable, <laughs> uh, know each other a little bit better. So it, clearly he's his mother's son. Yeah. Um, See where he gets it. But yeah, so be on the lookout for that story tomorrow um, on Sooners Illustrated. But yeah, I mean, clearly it's going to be a homecoming of sorts for Dylan. Um, Levy too, you know, he spent two years there, one with Dylan. Um, obviously, you know, he's spent a lot of time with Josh Heupel, you know, former Oklahoma quarterbacks, now at head coach of Tennessee. Very grateful for the opportunities that Heupel, you know, gave him. And, you know, because he, he worked with Heupel, you know, when Levy was at school here and was a GA. Like they, they've known each other for a long time. Um, deep respect there. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting for those two guys. Cause obviously like you said, it, things kind of come full circle for them five years later. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But yeah, Oklahoma's offense. Going to well, be interesting we, to see how they handle the run. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, yeah. They have not been great about that. We saw Dylan Gabriel. I mean, he's, he's developed more and more as a running threat this season. And that kind of culminated in that Texas game, you know, ran for over a hundred yards. Curious to see if they're going to keep leaning on him or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Tali Walker and Marcus Major going to keep carrying the load. You know, Brent Venable said this week they're hopeful that, you know, Javante Barnes could kind yeah, of weird get deal. back into action at some point in the second half of the season, but I'm not going to not going to count on that, uh, especially this week. But, you know, is a guy like Gavin Sautra going to see more action now? Um, just, just real interested to see kind of how they carry over after after that Texas game. I, I know we talked about the run game, and I think a, a good question that OU can kind of answer this week is the offensive line and who's going to be where now. I mean, we we got to handle sure. you know some some injuries here and there. So it's Caleb Schaefer, Caden Green. Are they, where are they going to fit into this now? Are they, they going to get some more playing time like they did against Texas, and they did a pretty good job? Uh, just where is that going to happen? At? You know, we look at the run game. I think we're at the point in the season where we know what this run game is. I don't, I don't think we're going to see any more surprises. This is what it is. So I think Dylan Gabriel is going to have to be that guy on the run side as well. I mean, unless they they finally give a you know Tommy Walker a full game to see how he is to set the premier back overall the entire time. Maybe that maybe that'll change things and he can kind of spark his runs on uh, here and there. But uh, the offensive line is a big question for me. Just seeing where they're gonna where are they at, you know who's who's out there and how they're gonna jail now uh, as they get into the second half of this season. Yeah, I think it's a safe bet to say that Caleb Shaver is going to start at right guard. Um, you know, McCabe Matoyer. Injury looked really bad in real time against Texas. And yeah. He had to get carted off the field. They had to put an air cast on. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's just a high ankle sprain. You know, Brent Venables said, you know, probably a week or two. We'll see what, what's going to happen with him. But Caleb Schaefer, you know, came in final nine plays. Um, obviously, was on there for the five most consequential plays of the game on that game-winning drive. And he's the only – only other offensive lineman that's taken a meaningful snap at right guard this season. I know Savion Bird has some experience over there. Um, you know, Troy Everett can kind of play any of those three interior spots. But Caleb Schaefer, I think, is going to be the guy to fill in for uh, McCabe Matoyer for this next week or two. Um, and he's an experienced guy. You know, he he played over 2,000 snaps at Miami, Ohio, started like 35 games out of the 41 he appeared in. Um just kind of been waiting for his, his opportunity. You know, he, he he's played here and there and you know, he didn't play a lot in that Texas game, but he delivered in the moment on the, on that game winning right. drive. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yeah, I'd, I'd expect him to step in at right guard. Left guard is a little bit more interesting to me because um, obviously Troy Everett got pulled in the first half there against Texas. Caden Green pretty much finished that game. You know, he's a guy that started the season at tackle, was moved inside to guard. Is he going to get the start? Because, you know, Troy Everett, by all accounts, he's good to go. And Brett Venable said this week, Savion Bird's going to be in the mix there too. Yeah. You know, we haven't seen him since the Tulsa game when he yeah. got yeah. injured. You know, in the first quarter, I think, like 12, 13 plays into it. Um, just really interested to see how how things kind of shake out on the left side of the line there. Yeah, you, as yeah, you mentioned, it was pretty – Savion Bird thing – sorry, James. I was going to say real quick, the Savion Bird thing is, is weird. Yeah, because he was off the start to start open the year, had the weird Tulsa thing, which Brent Venables never was really clear on what exactly it was. It was something – On the broadcast, it seemed like something with his hands. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I saw him coming off. He was covering his eyes. I don't know if that means I, – I, my initial thought actually at the game was, oh, he got poked in the eye really bad. Now, obviously, I don't think that's what it ended actually in the beam. That's what it looked like to me in the moment. So, yeah, he was out, but then he's back, but he's not playing. Is it just he got Wally pipped, or is it he's not actually healthy? I don't – the state of thing is weird. And so I'm interested to see, yeah, with this kind of opening with McCade out for a little while – is this the opening to get Bird back into the mix? You know, that if it was going to happen, this would be the time. If it comes out and it's Schaefer Everett to start this game, that's probably an indication of the way things are moving going forward as far as Savion Bird getting a lot of playing time. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about the injury of McCain. And we, it seemed very serious just because of how, like, Tyler Guyton and other guys reacted on the field. They looked down. Yeah. Like, Tyler Guyton was jumping and telling the medical staff to come over as quickly as possible. And so you think, okay, that's that's a serious situation. And the the cast comes out, the cart comes out. You know, it was it was an, an crazy situation. So just having high ankle sprain is actually, you know, given everything that happened, that's a pretty good situation to be in. Uh, you know, it looked a lot worse than it was. You know, yeah, they seemed a lot more optimistic, like after the game. I yeah, mean, yeah they was out there on the field celebrating with them. I yeah. asked Andrew Ram, he's like, "Oh yeah, it was a lot better news than that because <laughs> it it looked very serious." Mm -hmm. It seemed um, like in the moment, being on the field and kind of seeing some of the gestures and stuff like that, that there was some thought, like, uh, "Like I, we were talking, you know, other guys on the field were like he broke something, like that's yeah. how it felt." And yeah. so the fact that he's, you know, all for the most part fine, not gonna, he's gonna be back this season. Is uh yeah a huge dog actually, for him and the team. I'm actually curious to see what it looked like now. That, I mean, because we were up in the press box, we can't <laughs> see exactly like what did you actually see? Like, did, did it look broken? It's like, yeah, man, it was carted off. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Which it's it's crazy because when we were out there Tuesday after practice, when to talk to players, you know, we see players walking off the field at the end of the day. McCabe Matoyer was walking fine. Didn't even look like he had a brace or anything on his ankle. Right. Like, you know, I'm sure it was taped like, you know, they normally are under under their socks and their cleats and all that. But he he was walking fine, wasn't wearing a boot, didn't have a giant brace on. It's mm -hmm. like, man, like, <laughs> what kind of like Wolverine-like healing powers does this guy have? That's what he is. It's, that should be his nickname from now on, Wolverine. That's good. He does yeah. have a bit of a – he's kind of like a, more of a Thor look uh, with the hair. <laughs> but uh, Wolverine works too. Works too. Yeah. He, he um, so, yeah. Any other things in this game? Obviously, final thoughts. We'll get the picks here in a sec. Um, it should be a game where Oklahoma's going to be a big favorite, and they are, you know, and it's it's a weird game, but one that Oklahoma should be okay in. Is that kind of the general feel that we have here? Uh, final thoughts here on this one? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think UCF can make it interesting early on. Sure. But I think Oklahoma just, you know, 
by the middle of the second quarter, third quarter, they're just going to pull away again. We, we've talked about how good they've been in the middle eight and kind of capitalizing off that. You know, they 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 create separation right there in the middle of the game. But I I think that'll help them put it away. But I think that they'll be mm-hmm. in control of this game by the second quarter. Yeah, I mean, I think I think OU is pretty motivated now. They're they're top five in the yeah. nation, top yeah, top five in the nation, and they want to get in that. Maybe yeah, four. well, yeah, 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 top six. Yeah, I mean, they want to get in that top four, so they kind of have to have a couple of statements, statement wins here against teams that they're going to be favored against the rest of the season. So they they have to come out early and and beat down on their opponent like they've like they did earlier in the season. You know, not necessarily to the you know Arkansas State type of situation, but a really big win yeah. for them. I think it's what they're they're motivated to get to now. Oklahoma and Penn State, the only two teams in the country six and zero against the spread, kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Kind of wild uh, so far this year. All right, we'll lock in the picks. Oklahoma UCF this weekend, eighteen point favorite for Oklahoma as it sits right now. Overrunners at sixty six. Now, of course, we're all looking to bounce back. We had the Texas debacle. We're all trying to get back on track now. James and I, the three of us, all had Oklahoma covering the number, so we're actually still James and I undefeated against the spread. Tom had the SMU loss. Now Colin's gotten ding. So. James and I are six and zero. Tom and Colin are, are five and one against the spread. We're all five and one straight up because we had Oklahoma losing to Texas. So let's lock in the picks. Colin had forty one seventeen. Tom. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of in line here with Colin. Um, I think Oklahoma's going to score a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with forty five to seventeen. Not a lot more, but you know, we got a field goal in there. Forty five to seventeen. I, like I said, I, I think the talent gap from Oklahoma to UCF is going to be too much. And I don't think that, you know, just the familiarity that the defensive staff has with Gus Malzahn's offense between Brent Venables facing him, you know, between Ted Roof working with him, between Brandon Hall coming up, you know, under Gus Malzahn, I I, I just think they're not going to be caught off guard by anything. And I just don't think UCF has the firepower to kind of any, to make this a real threat for Oklahoma. You know, they're just going to keep, you know, mm. cruising into the second half of the season, they'll be seven and zero. They're gonna, you know, next week we have the first college football playoff rankings coming out, so they know what's ahead of them. They have a chance to really position themselves for, you know, that playoff contention. Now, is that yeah. next week already? Halloween, first one. Oh my gosh, <laughs> crazy! Yeah, I'm gonna go forty-one thirteen. I don't, I don't see a lot of touchdowns being scored by UCF in this one. I mean, it's just, it's just so hard to score against. OU, especially when you get into the red zone. I mean, it's just it's incredibly difficult. They've talked about playing to a standard, you know, throughout the year, no, no matter who's in the game. And I think they're going to keep it up, especially at home, you know, coming back and things like that. So I think 41-13 is the, the score here. Yeah, I've had a hard time getting a read on Oklahoma's offense in particular in games like these. I, I've had them go big number and they, they kind of look lethargic. I went the other way. I'm gonna go big again, and we'll we'll see if how it goes. They do the opposite of what you say, though, Josh. I don't know, I'm man. Go fifty-one uh, sixteen. I think Oklahoma puts a big number offensively. Um, I just think Oklahoma. I mean, if, if Oklahoma could run the ball, and you see, yeah. like we said, has not been able yeah. to run the ball. Um, I, I think Oklahoma's passing game is just good enough to be able to throw on almost anybody, even with Angel Anthony out. Um, so I think Oklahoma puts up a lot of points. I'll say UCF gets a couple of Gus Malzahn trickerations and gets down the field and gets themselves into the red zone, but they've been so good about bend on break. So I'll say they get some field goals on the board, 51-16. I think Oklahoma wins pretty easily. How are you getting away how, and on to the next one. How are you getting 51 in this one? Is it 42 and then three field goals? Is, is Oklahoma going to score nine times? Or is it going to be like 
know? seven touchdowns and a safety. Let's go seven touchdowns and a safety. Let's have let's have some fun with it. Let's say, uh, let's safety, safety. It's crazy. All right. Yeah, they're gonna pin him deep. They're gonna have a bounce back day punting. They're gonna pin him inside the five at some point, whether it's Plaster or Zinga. And then I'll say Bothroyd blows blows up plumly for a safety. Oh, I, wow. I thought you were gonna say Peyton Bowen, you know, gets another punt block. I almost thought about it. I was like, but three, the three seems are like a lot. <laughs> no, you, ask. you you want to have a fun way to get to that 51? Sure. Peyton Bowen blocks an extra point attempt. Oh Oklahoma returns it for the defensive conversion. There you go. <laughs> before happened two years ago against Nebraska. Pat Fields ran an extra point back. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, quite yeah. a moment. Quite a moment. I don't think probably the loudest that I heard the stadium as far as one individual play, just I guess just the sudden change of holy crap, they're scoring points on the X. Like it just people got really excited about that. Mm-hmm. It was kind of fun. All right, should be a fun one though. I'm excited to get back out there and actually see them play again. Oklahoma UCF Saturday morning at 11. We're all going to be there, of course, enormous. Should be a beautiful day weather-wise and homecomings. It should be just a good overall uh, day down there in Norman. Be sure to keep up with the site, oklahoma.247sports.com. And there's so much there. We already do have a lot leading up to this game. More to come. And, of course, game day, your place to be is the site. Message boards, my VIP subscriber. Hang out in the game thread. Lots of post-game reaction. And then on the YouTube channel, hear from Brent Venables, players, Obviously, us, full reaction of the game after it's over on Saturday evening, Oklahoma and UCF. So we'll see you then until Saturday from Norman. For Tom Green, James D. Jackson, Colin Kennedy earlier, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you guys Monday for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated podcast. See you.